With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, aka Boilerhawk, aka HD underscore Star. Not sure why I do this intro all the time. Joined by Ben Ross. Ben, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. You know, <clears throat> you just can't make us stop talking about our favorite college football team, for better or for worse. You know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And here we are. Talking about the tough stuff in a very important time. I know, I know. Uh, I guess the timing of this is it's being recorded late (laughs) Monday, (laughs) November 2nd. And if this is out before uh, morning of November 4th, I would be surprised. So it's going to have a lot happen between uh, (laughs) the time of this recording and... (laughs) <laughs> when it's released, Matt, Matt, will, Matt will get this turned around before then. I'm, yeah, I, I have faith. <laughs> and uh, I think the first thing I want to talk about, Ben, is before we were chatting, uh, texting. You said you had some ribs going. How how are those? They're really good. You know, I can actually. There's. Can you see those? Yeah. Ooh, that's what's left. Casey. I'm. Um, you know, I firmly believe, like, I don't have a smoker, but I was always, you know, thought, you know, oven baking was sort of, uh, what's the word conceding to, Mm. to the meat. Um, you just, you know, not, not just that, like I, I always would grill them for like six hours and it'd be great. But then I've mentioned before, you know, I, to unwind at night, I'm watching either Johnny Carson or cooking videos. So Alton Brown blessed my algorithm <laughs> a few <laughs> nights ago. Um, Alton Brown with hair now from this is like 15 years ago, and he had this you know oven braised ribs recipe, and um, it didn't, did not disappoint at all. It was uh, really good, like really really good. I'm very very happy with how they turned out. Um, the key the key to it was you sort of make a. Normally when I grill ribs, I just don't put any liquid on them. I just pour beer on them three hours in, can of beer, okay. whatever I have. Uh, but this this one, Brown wanted you, you made a separate braising liquid of uh, white wine, Worcestershire, Worcester sauce. Worcestershire? Is that? Yeah. I think that's Worcester, it. Worcestershire. <laughs> um, what else? There are two other elements in there. I can't remember. I put a little bit of Texas Pete hot sauce. Uh, a little bit of honey, something else. I really can't remember. I don't know why. And um, you braise them, you cover that in them, and then when the 
ribs are done cooking for three hours at two, three and a half hours at 250, you cut a little hole in the bottom of the tin foil when you're over a saucepan and let the, um, let all the drippings drip into the saucepan and heat up the saucepan and it turns into a, a thick sauce, uh, the brazen liquid does. And then you rub, uh, rub that on the ribs and throw them in the broiler for about two minutes and get a nice little glaze, a little crispy. And we'll be doing this again. Uh, I'm a repeat customer. That sounds delicious. It looked delicious. Um, I, I have to say that of Alton Brown things that uh, were blessed on my timeline tonight, it was not the braised ribs recipe that you just described. It was uh, turn the lights off and run 20 through Slim Jims through the juicer. That is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no clue how that might turn out <laughs> but um, probably not as good as his ribs recipe that's for sure definitely not wait are you, are you serious did alton brown actually do that uh he uh tweeted that and uh friend of the pants max gospel of max he said this man is a genius and he tweeted that tweet i will be sure to share i'm gonna follow this. I'm going to fall out in brown right now while, <laughs> while you do this. I'm going to share all of this in the notes. So it, you know, it is something that we can uh, look back on and just wonder, wow. <laughs> there it is. Turn off the what lights and like? run 23 Slim Jims for the juicer. Who's with me? I said, who's with me? His last three tweets are, put those in the Louvre. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a delight. What a delight. I, I did not make anything for dinner. I heated up some quesadillas. We went road tripped down to Dallas, spent some time with Christina's family, and went and got our favorite Mexican place. Realized just what a chaotic landscape Dallas is in terms of going into a restaurant to place a to-go order and seeing it not packed to the gills, but definitely more full than I would like to see a restaurant. They're like, you can mm -hmm. wait in your car. We'll bring it to you. I'm like, I will wait in my car. And, <laughs> you uh, bet your ass so on that. that right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then um, uh, just like the general road trip stuff, man, I, I haven't eaten a real meal at all in like a day and a half. And let me tell you, taking a two and a half month old child on a five hour road trip is not a five hour trip. Not, not, not super long, but there are definitely some stops where you're like, Oh, he does not want this car to keep moving. He is hungry. So that yeah, was my I weekends. As someone without a child, I can't really, you know, I hate taking five and a half hour road, trip, road trips by myself. Um, I can't imagine what what's that like. I'm curious, when was the last time you ate inside of a restaurant? So we did, um, there was one place we went for a burger because it has the most space of like any restaurant in mm -hmm. Bentonville and that was probably it was the first weekend of football games and it was like right before they closed so okay. there was basically no one there um 
and that so I think that was early September. Um, but before that, I was thinking, and it's been like the last trip we had before going to Dallas was going to Kansas City for a KU game, and I think that's the last time that we ever ate um, in a restaurant was in February. And it's like thinking about what this year's like. Before that, we were in London and had like our one year anniversary trip. And it's like, how, how did all of this stuff happen in a year? That feels like <laughs> it feels so, like a decade ago. It's so insane. It It's absolutely nuts. Time like, flies uh, when you're having none. Exactly. Like, that's that's a great way to put it because mm-hmm. every day has been the same. Like, I mean, e- even the weekends feel, feel the same because instead of this screen where I'm working, it's this screen where I'm either playing video games or watching games or just, like, hanging out. Like, it's like just everything's the same. And I can't imagine even what it's like for, for you, Ben, be, being by yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going through tons of recipes and you probably have – Oh, that looks like a new recipe, and it's probably something you've already made before. Yeah, um, I don't think I've done. I've only made a couple repeats, and that's just because they're so good. But I mean, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I've gone through all my Netflix and Hulu and books. I I rejoined a gym, or I didn't rejoin. I joined a gym about two months ago, and just right now on this podcast, I got an email that somebody in my workout class I was with on last Thursday tested positive. So <clears throat> that's fun. I've got to figure out how to get a test. I've got to lie because <laughs> our country's ass backwards to get a fucking test in Chicago. I have to lie about not being able to smell uh, and then <laughs> and then pay $195 out of my pocket to see if I'm safe. So that's something I get to look forward to doing in the next couple of days. Is is there a Walgreens near, near you? I mean, this is a free shout but, out, but Walgreens but, is a place I, I've seen that's doing those free tests but CVS, who knows what free is. there's a cvs that's six blocks from me that does it um it just they only do i it feels like they do four tests a day and it's like no. the hunger, it's like the hunger <laughs> games um because i tried to get a test when i was home surrounded by a bunch of iowans a few weeks ago and everything like the only way i could get you know, there was no there's not a free test available to me within city limits of chicago um, so I just decided to quarantine for 14 days and not see anybody instead. And that was actually great. I might just do that again. Um, except I'm not cause I'm golfing this weekend. I already mentioned, um, oh, I actually didn't mention that. I'm, damn it. There's a spoiler. Yeah. But ma- maybe I'm not golfing anymore. We'll fucking see. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> we, we're, I think to, to bring this around, just like, you look at where this program, this Iowa program was 10 months ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say at the height of their power, but there were some serious good vibes throughout much of the off, the off season until COVID. And then everything doesn't count. But what happened with Doyle, which we really never discussed on the podcast which doesn't bear repeating and where we are now i can't imagine a 
further fall from grace that doesn't that doesn't have like real legal implications there are you know <coughs> civil implications with this but I, I can't imagine Iowa being in a worse spot than they are um, right now with two bad losses, stale offense, and just getting schooled by coaches who have schooled Iowa their whole Big Ten careers. And, you know, you look at this 21-20 loss to Northwestern. They, I mean, you, you have the box score up. I have it somewhere. And it's just 20 points twice. They, they've scored, what, 17 points in two separate quarters and then six points in the other six. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to think. So I will go ahead and turn it to you for for any <laughs> thoughts that you have because it's just so weird, So, but also not weird. So it's been five consecutive game, Big Ten games since Iowa scored a fourth-quarter touchdown. Is that right? Last time we scored a fourth-quarter touchdown was in the Holiday Bowl, which was you know only three games ago. But, I mean, two games is, I think, a big enough sample size where you should probably score some points in the fourth quarter. Um, you said two bad losses. You know, I'd say the first Purdue loss is bad. I think this loss to Northwestern is inexcusable. I think it's horrific. I think it's horrible. Um, it's really, truly one of perhaps the most mismanaged game I've seen out of, uh, the two, the frenzy, uh, Pat Fitzgerald just has, has us in his pocket. I kind of want to see if somebody's updated Pat Fitzgerald's Wikipedia to see if he owns Kirk Ferentz yet. Um, oh, his child as if Kirk <laughs> Ferentz is Pat Fitzgerald's child. Because he is. Right, he is. Uh, nope, nothing on there yet. What is, what is his record against Iowa now? His record against Iowa is irrelevant to me. He's 7-1 <laughs> in, in one possession games against Iowa. Like, I think the, the math comes out to where he's like 9, and, nine or 10-6 and six, uh, against Iowa otherwise. But he is 7-1 in, in single possession games. How does Kirk Ferentz keep letting single possession games happen? Just Ben, if if a bully came to you and asked for your lunch money seven straight days, what do you do on that eighth day? You don't bring that lunch money, or you bring so much that you're like, here, let me, I got you. Like you keep like there's. I just don't know how Pat Fitzgerald eats Kirk Ferentz's lunch every every week or every year, and it's like we watch it play out the exact same way. It, different ways, of course, but the second that game went into halftime as a one-possession game, I, I said it on Punks. It was the one thing I got right on Punks this week, is hammer that Northwestern line because – Iowa already has trouble in the second half against Northwestern, and they've had trouble, like you said, the last five Big Ten games against opponents in the second half. Northwestern is going to win. Like, they just are, and I just... 
the thing that has me most mad is how unsurprising that particular game was. I knew exactly how it was going to play out almost from the second that they kicked the field goal to go up 17-0. Well, I mean, what do we say almost every every time I would take the field, about 15 minutes after kickoff, we always say we've seen this movie before because we have. Like, nothing surprising, and I'm just mad. I don't know. The thing about, like, that 7-1 and one stat, it's like Northwestern, they've never been great. Like, the, let's the, – their quarterbacks, I mean, we've got Clayton Thorson there for four years. We just lost to an Indiana transfer at QB. Uh, Trevor Simeon, who got shunned out of the NFL, he stunk. King Coulter, who was a wide receiver playing a quarterback. Um, Dan Persa, Chicago's Big Ten. Heisman Chicago's candidate. Harry Potter. Mike Kafka. And then <laughs> that's down to 09. Uh, and I'm not going any further back than that because I don't uh. want to. Like, what's the deal? There was, I think there is, there is one player – maybe not counting some offensive linemen. There's one player on Northwestern who I saw on Saturday who I thought would start for Iowa over Iowa starters. And maybe I guess some, probably some of their DBs too. So maybe this is less, yet less um, relevant, but I think Patty Fisher was like the only guy who blew me away for Northwestern. He was the only guy who was like, wow, that's good. And like a linebacker shouldn't, he's not the reason I will. And he's still not the reason Northwestern won the game either. He was by far their best player, and he's not the reason they won the game. And he did the best things for them, I think, which just tells me that we were all coached. Yeah, the the consist the consistency with which Kirk Ferentz is out coached in game it's it's possible to quantify, and I have before with right because I think I think the single possession record in single possession games is the way that you quantify the in-game aptitude of a coach. And Kirk Ferentz is right in line with literally Rutgers. Rutgers is how good he is at, at, at one possession games. So if you're finding yourself in one possession games, try and, try and not be in one possession games now. He's, he's coached in so many of these games because it's like you, you can't even complain about Oh, the wins. Kirk Ferentz has coached in no less than... I can come up with four, like, wind-affected games right now. You have Illinois in 2016, Northwestern in 2017, the IU game in 2009, where the game flipped... On mm-hmm. how, who had the wins, mm-hmm. and if you didn't have the wind, you weren't scoring, which is why Pat Fitzgerald was like, "This game's a three-quarter game. I'm going to take the win in the third quarter. I'm going to get that touchdown, and you're not going to do a, a single thing the rest of the game." And that's exactly how it played out. Kirk Ferentz, you've been around for 22 years. How do you not know how to manage games in the wind against teams that aren't Illinois or situations where you just get pull a horseshoe out of your rear end with that Tyler Sash interception and then Stanzi and McNutt going crazy. Like, 
you would just think that he would learn some in-game management sometime. I mean, yeah. That's I honestly, I totally get where you're going with this, but I think you're giving the wind too much fucking credit. I don't want Mother Nature to be an excuse <laughs> for Kirk Ferentz. Like, don't don't bring her into this. Um, I just don't. Also, like, when when's the last time Iowa had two chances? We had two. We had the ball twice with under. Was it? I think it was seven minutes, or might have been even less. For two, go ahead, touchdowns on on both times, like. You have to have something called up, drawn up there. Like the Northwestern defense is not, they're gassed. Your defense just bailed you out again, twice. Um, after Petrus turned the ball over, too, nonetheless. Like, what? I don't understand how. Like, what does Brian DeFerrance do? Does he do homework? Like, does he watch other games? Does he. Does he take a bunch of muscle milk and draw, try and drop creative plays? Does he even know Ken O'Keefe is on the staff? Uh, does he know where his office is? Does he have his phone number? Uh, I just want to know, like, what goes into game day preparation? Because this happens all the time. Did you like? What are you is what are you seeing on film from past games? You can take a game from two thousand four against Northwestern. And it would be the same fucking thing. <laughs> like I don't under under you're taking the exact same class every year and you're getting a C or an F rather. You like I I just don't get it. I mean I think to me the the most inexcusable thing about about how the second half played out is there were. 28 passes to seven rushes in a yes. game where yes. Iowa was um, – they were up for a good portion of it. So what's that? Let's see. They were up – well, uh, Northwestern got there. They got theirs quickly because of the interceptions. Yeah. They got they got that. Um, but then you come, come out and you go pass, pass, pass. And but it's not – fun to go through like oh what what do you do but it's like they they didn't really put any concerted effort into establishing a run game when they needed to and and they could have at any point i, I think about mm -hmm. the michigan game which was a almost a a more talented team Defense executing kind of the same thing and forcing Iowa to play left-handed. Um, I don't know why, but once that game doesn't get outside of that one possession threshold, you have to get back to the run. And uh, I always hate stepping on other people's toes, but like I think Thad came up with, hey, they are dropping seven and eight guys consistently, and it's inexcusable to your point to run to not run it's inexcusable to put your first your first year quarterback second game he's starting in a position where he's throwing 50 passes because three three interceptions bad but think about it that's only six percent of his throws it's not like it's three interceptions on 22 or 25 throws it's 
it's just what's going to happen when you're throwing the ball that much with a guy who is clearly not seeing what he needs to see and making the right throws. Because there are improvements that Petrus can make. I'm not here to say that he's perfect because he's certainly far from that. But to be put in a position where he's has to do that seems like a huge mismanagement. Um, I disagree with you a little bit on a couple of your points. Three interceptions. Okay. I think three interceptions, no matter what the volume is, is is too many. You just don't win many football okay. games. Um, the biggest thing to me, he, all three interceptions was the exact same interception. He threw it to a blanketed tight end down the middle of the field. And two of them were to, two of them were to Laporta. The first one was to Bayer, but they were all uh, routes over the middle. The first one might have been uh, crossing over the left side, but the two to Laporta were both in the middle of the field, seven to ten yards downfield, and he's just totally and completely blanketed. Um, the same cor- <clears throat> the same corner <clears throat> caught two of the picks. Uh, Joseph something. Uh, so he's making the same mistake three times. I'm not. I don't think he should have been pulled. Um, I don't believe necessarily believe in that. Um, but you know, let's why you know then you know maybe don't have don't run those routes. Tell him not to throw it to that guy. Don't I don't I just don't see like what are you saying to him I, when he gets off the field? Who's talking to him? Is it Ken O'Keefe or is it Brian Ferentz or is it Kirk? Who's talking to Spencer when he gets off the field after he throws a pick? I don't even know. Um, but it's a Hayden Fry thing, right? Hayden Fry would always go straight to his QB or make his QB go to him after he threw an interception, no matter what. So, like, I would like to see what the fucking conversation is like after your <clears throat> greenhorn quarterback turns the ball over. And <laughs> and I and this also concerned me a little bit too. I thought for some reason this is Petrus's only second year on campus, but it's his third. Um, I mean, you know, game obviously game experience is one thing, but knowing the playbook. Like none of those interceptions, I mean, those were really, they were gifts, you know, they weren't great plays by the defensive player. They were great in the sense that the defensive player was doing his job. They weren't spectacular. They weren't, you know, I think one of them did hit Laporta's hands, but I don't think Laporta, he should have made that catch. Um, See a little bit of the Nate Stanley, Stanley just rifling it in there. You said it was a little oversold. Last week against it Purdue. was not oversold this week. It was he not was... oversold this week. He was zipping it in there. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't. Again, I I think we stick with him for another game. I'm not. Uh, you know, I think he truly probably is the best QB on campus. Um. And then obviously not. Yeah. And then to your first point, not running the ball does nobody no favors. And it's not like. I mean, it's super easy to look at the box score and see, you know, Goodson was averaging three point three yards a carry, but that was on 13 carries. Like, let him fucking try it a little bit more. Uh, I don't think Ivory Kelly Martin saw – I mean, this isn't why we lost, but we never he never saw um, the field. Makai Sargent only had four carries, you know, whereas we were happy to see the sort of the – we had 195 rushing yards last week, and I don't think Northwestern was doing – they weren't doing anything special <laughs> – to stop a rushing attack, they were doing something special to stop our passing attack. And, um, you know, people are criticizing the offensive line uh, in the comments. I don't think they did a horrible job. They didn't lose us the game. Uh, in, in some respects, they did a great job, I think. 
of pass blocking and uh, the screens were good. They are working out of necessity. Um, I don't think this is the case, but after looking on paper, you know, maybe they were forcing things from your Smith Marset. He did, he did get quite a few targets, but you know, he had 84 yards receiving average 12 yards a catch. So uh, um, I think Tyrone Tracy had one bad drop, but other than that, I mean, the receiving was kind of fine. I think they're throw, they're misusing, I think, to sort of a criminal extent. I think they're kind of misusing Brandon Smith right now, and that makes me sad. Um, but I just don't know. You know, it's this is not a personnel thing, I think, at all. And it's really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I think because Brandon Smith, in my view, should not be put in a position where he has to run a screen pass. He no. should be the guy you're running that screen pass behind because he is a very, very good blocker. They used him right for that touchdown. That's using your best mm-hmm. your best jump ball player skills to get a touchdown. But he should be that 100% possession receiver that you leverage Spencer Petrus's arm strength on those five, eight, ten-yard out routes or the hitches, and then that's where you need to have more combination routes into it. Like I, I don't get all of the stuff that goes into it, but I think your point is fair that they're not using Smith as that possession receiver. They're not really throwing any wide receiver screen passes. Um, they've run the tight end throwback a couple of times. They ran they ran two tight end screens, right? I yeah. remember I remember two tight end screens on Saturday. Yeah. And one was one was to Bayer who you know there's probably an offensive lineman faster than him, honestly. It's 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 tough to see because so much did go on and it, it's frustrating because we try and pride ourselves on like not blaming the kids because they're in the position that they are in because the coaches are putting them there. But it really does come down to me for it. That is a coaching loss. And when Spencer Petrus wasn't here, you know, a dozen years ago to lose to Pat Fitzgerald in a one possession game. And I'm just Mm going to bring that back because it, it's we've seen the, the this book before, and it, it scares me that the there's like this rolodex of seasons in my mind. What does what does this season remind me of? And like I'm trying to go back through it, and it's it's hard for it to be a positive one. I don't know how this gets flipped um, with no bye week. Um, uh, with just kind of all that's going on. I just don't see how it gets flipped. And I guess I'll tee it up to you before we go to a break. If you, where are your sentiments as it relates to the future? <clears throat> I think, I mean, train wreck. I, I really do. I think we, we saw uh, Yahweh Judy and um, a running back. I can't remember his name, both. Mm. To declare for the portal. Um, and I sort of thought nothing of it. 
I didn't think nothing of it, but I kind of thought, thought no big deal. I think we'll see, you know, and maybe as many as half a dozen more names leave, leave the program between now and the end of the year. Um, I mean, do you think Amir Smith-Marset's going to see the field again? I think that is something we should talk about after the break. Oh, stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. Ben posed the question, do I think Amir Smith-Marset sees the field again? And I think there's a compelling case that he should not see the field again. Um... I think Kirk has consistently coached Smith-Marset through the media. He's um, always been adversarial. He, he's always couched it in, oh, Amir's a football guy or whatever. But um, it's, to me, an inexcusable mistake. Um, I said it in our Slack. I searched... Uh, Amir on the Iowa courts portal. This isn't his first excessive speeding ticket. Um, It's the first one that's involved alcohol. It's uh, he's not his his BAC was high too. Yeah. The 0.13. I thought it was 0.18. Oh no. 0.13. It's 0.13. Okay. It's over the limit. Like less high, but it's still high. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're drunk. You're drunk. You're drunk. You need to know better. And yeah. it's fr- it's fucking Riverside Drive, man. Like you can't yeah. go seventy four miles on that. Like you, your cops can see you from a mile away on that street. So it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> you just have to know better. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason that there's a case for him to almost mutually part ways. Like, I I think that that isn't leadership. He's a senior. He knows better. There's less of a leash for guys to make these mistakes. I think maybe the most representative is um, Brandon Snyder, but he had run into problems before um, his final arrest happened. Um, this This isn't Tristan Wirth's on a moped with two girls like i mean like this is a guy in a 74 mile an hour bullet that could oh bullet yeah seriously injure himself or or anyone on the street so um i don't know that's kind of where i'm at uh kirk didn't make it seem like oh he'll be back for minnesota um no he said he has hoops to jump through and I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I don't know about you. He's on a depth chart this week, uh, you know, um, predictably. I think, you know, the these uncertain times, you have to take into effect the punishment. Um, I think if 
Amir Smith Marset were to not see the field, he could um, he could definitely petition and get uh, be able to play somewhere next year. Probably, I would think. Yeah, but I mean, I it's also, the free year. Yeah, but also, like at the same time, I think he wants to get to the league as fast as he can, and he should. Um, and him not playing the rest of the year totally and completely fucks him like that. And I, you know, it would, would I be surprised if Kirk, you know, kicked him off the team or held him out for the year? I think I would be surprised. I think he does play. I think this is maybe a two game suspension. Uh, but then you get to the point, then you're at the point then what, what does four more games do for him? Um, if he's got NFL aspirations, uh, um, it, it's bad. I mean, an OWI, seventy-four miles an hour, one one thirty a.m. on Riverside. Like, is he a captain? Not that it really matters, but he is a senior. Uh, he he's been around this program long enough. It's bad. Like, uh, and I don't know. And you know, I'm sure he was either going to a place that had more football players, or he was definitely coming from a place that had football players at it. Uh, which is another thing. There's these types of arrests, then there's always collateral damage that we never hear about because, you know, they do. Of course, you know, he's not going to lie and he's going to be like, I was at this player's house drinking this, doing that. Um, and then, you know, more players are called into a meeting or something like that. Um, there are no, I don't think it's the culture of stitches get stitches in the Iowa football locker room, especially now. So, I mean, I think we see him play again. I just have to feel sorry for him. Hope I hope he, you know, this type of offense, he'll go to some sort of program or class, um, and that that'll be good for him. I hope he takes it to heart. It's just shitty. Yeah, I mean it. It it does suck because I think it's easy to write off an OWI as just something that happens once a year, once every couple of years within a football program that includes 85 scholarship athletes plus however many walk-ons. Just the numbers say you're going to have one. Um, But for it to be a senior in a year after the tumultuous offseason that I always had, it, it does call into question just what all is going on with it. Um, I think it it certainly behooves him to get into whatever good graces he needs to with Kirk, whether that is, hey, we had our fun. This was a fun three years and two games. I, I will do whatever you need me to do, um, whether I play for you next year since – that is an option available to him. Um, uh, or if I just get through this and graduate and can even out the balance sheet, I think it behooves Smith Marset to do that. Um, I just don't know if that involves him playing another game. That That's kind of where I'm at because I'm thinking of Davion Nixon and totally different situation, right? He's, been Iowa's best player. I wouldn't say far and away because that punter's been tremendous. Uh-huh. But Davion Nixon's been the best player on that defense 
every single play that he's been out there. He's in on every single tackle, even when it's a 15-yard pass. He's he's the second person there. And he is playing like a man on fire. And I can see him getting to that fourth or fifth game if I was 0-4 or 1-4, just yeah. no team goals to chase. I can see him being like, all right, guys, I've got my tape. And honestly, that's the way Kirk Ferentz has kind of set up this program as a professional development program, not necessarily a team development one. It's always been that professional. We can get you to where you want to go. And the second you see some of these kids realize that, well, it looks like I'm not going to actually get to the NFL. Let's get closer to home. They, they head out. But um I think Nixon, he, he has probably enough tape now. Um, I think he's a candidate to sit out the rest of the year. Um, and, and then you just don't know some of the other names that will kind of pop up. Um, but it is – I hesitate to use this word because it is uh, – it just brings back such horrible memories. But I think it will take like a lick lighter – a lick lighter in – movement could happen in terms of like a mass exodus for a multitude of reasons, whether it's Smith Marset having to get, do whatever he has to do. Nixon, um, bird, Judy, uh, who knows what other names? Like, I, I think that I, there's just an easy fracture to see. And I would not be surprised um, if there are more names, like you said, half dozen. I think that that probably makes sense. Is that enough to make Kirk realize I can't fix this? Um, probably depends on how the recruits come in. That's a good point. Uh, seeing what happens with our current commits who aren't on campus yet. Um, the only thing I'm going to push back there is I have a tough time thinking that Nixon will sit out four games. I, I don't – I mean, he's got good tape of 13, 12 games last year, he, and I, th- I think he's got great tape for two games of this year. So I don't know. If, is that enough? I don't know what the defensive tackle prospects are like in the draft. That's a Rob Donaldson question. I don't know um, what his ceiling is, if he's able to – if he can play himself into a second-round pick. I don't know if that's true, but I think he needs a little bit more volume to do that. Uh, second thing is I my first year on campus at Iowa, which is my first year as an Iowa fan, was Fran McCaffrey's first year. Can you re? I know Iowa only had seven players, uh, seven scholarship players, maybe even seven players total on the team, uh, not including like captains or, or not captains, rather managers or walk-ons. Uh, how many? What was the? attrition rate there under look lighter. I mean, it, it, his son played real minutes. And he's like, I mean, like, I, I don't know what it takes to get to there, but that was not a division one basketball player playing division one minutes. Um, but yeah, really the, the way I remember it going down is Matt Gaten's, uh, he basically said, I'm done or I will, I'm going to transfer. We're all probably going to transfer. 
and you won't have a basketball program unless Licklider's gone. Um, those are just rumors, which I mean, it's ten years ago. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> like I mean, Matt Gaines was kind of like the the golden child in high school. Um, committed to Iowa when I think he was in eighth grade. We were the same year, so that would have been like. 2004, 2005 to Alford. I mean, just the equivalent would be like if Joe Wieskamp said, all right, I'm going, I'm going. Um, lifelong fan, uh, super loyal. Um, and that's Caesar, ultimately how Caesar it played out. Caesar the sun eating a bunch of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, that's hilarious. Uh but I guess I don't know. Like I mean, I guess like that's kind of what it comes down to. And there's so much at play with where this presidential search from a university perspective goes. Oh. I imagine <laughs> the new university president's going to want a, his AD, and the AD always wants their coach. So to me, it's going to be a very tricky spot for Ferentz to be like try and sell the university president on. The future of Iowa football doesn't look so good right now. I mean, things can flip, but like I said, going through my Rolodex of um, seasons, it's like it's it's like 1999 or 2000, where maybe 2000 is the one where it's horrible for a good half or three quarters of the season, and then it starts to flip. Um, I just don't know. Like, is three and five winning the last three games enough? <sighs> you have to remember, I was had huge attrition problems too. 2012 to really 2015. That was when like the Texodus happened, right? With um, uh, 2016 who, with Texodus, Eno Benjamin. Eno, that's it. Um, so I was definitely had problems with attrition before. I remember 2012 was like around the time where it got really bad. Um, we had to freaking go to the track team to try and find a wide receiver, more or less. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, like Don Schumpert. Uh, but this is something else. This is, I think, on a wholly different, even though it's, you now we haven't even seen it happen yet. This just feels like if it were to happen and it feels like it's going to happen. It'd be it would spell some some of the worst trouble I can remember seeing uh, since being an Iowa football fan. And I think it, it's probably not worth belaboring it, but I, I think truly it's it's an issue of Kirk's own doing. Like I, I honestly don't think he's a prisoner of his happened. own construction, without question. He made this. Like I don't bad. think this happens if he. You know, if, if he has his ear to the ground of his program a little better and, and believes his players, and you know, I, I think some of them saw uh, what he said about Doyle. That would kind of piss me off. Um, he he didn't really condemn him. He said, mm-hmm. "Oh, he's a good coach." Like I, I think that's something that, like, okay. Um, very explicitly in the Hush Blackwell report, it was discussed that. Uh, Doyle's being scapegoated and there are coaches on the staff still there that are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then the lawsuit two for two games that it's been mentioned and it's going to continue to be mentioned oh, um, a, unless ESPN Dan Orlovsky just gets tired of talking about it. ESPN had a great big graphic made for this fucking moment. It was like <laughs> timeline of Iowa racial bias issue. It was like screenshot and sent to me from my friend from Iowa State. Like that's not good. You don't want to see that on your broadcast. Um, and here, here I thought, you know, going in, it was going to be something for the team to rally around. And without question, it has become a distraction. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's, I, I wish there was a is there a stronger word for distraction? Elephant in the room, I feel like doesn't do it justice because we're talking <laughs> we're talking about the elephant in the room. I think distraction's the best one that I can come up with um, because we just see part of it, right? We see this. We don't see what Kirk Ferentz and his staff has to talk and, you know, sell each recruit on because, like you said, you're getting that screenshot from your friends, guys being pursued by Iowa. They're getting it screenshotted too, and they have to be like, so is this fixed? Is this... Are you going to be here? Um, those are questions that, and, and it's being used negatively by schools recruiting the same Absolutely. recruits as Iowa. So it's that's why I think it, it it's going to come down to this recruiting class. If we see, um, you can probably live with you can live with. I think on team attrition i i think you can um because that's kind of normal but i i if there are a lot of Jor- jordan nola dukins it's just it, it's hard um and, and i i think it's like I, I think about this all the time as in terms of just things ends don't end good because if 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 they're ending because they're bad right i mean people don't really go out on their own terms. And I think that's kind of total tangent. That was what made like the Jordan documentary so compelling is because this was a guy who went out on his own terms at the height of his power. Um, then he came back, but which, which, <laughs> but, which of the three times are you talking about? Yeah. The, the, the first two, right. I mean, the first two, he really did. Um, I don't think one was under his own power, but that's maybe a different podcast. Conspiratorial, yeah. But I, you know, I think when it comes to Kirk, it's like maybe it was optimistic to think that uh, he can ride off into the sunset. I guess Bob Stoops kind of did that, um, but it, things things just don't end good. Like they just don't. Father Time is undefeated, as they say, and it's like you hate to see it but like it, it's it just sucks like it, that's kind of what it really comes down to I, I feel for the kids i wish kirk got it more don't really like brian feel bad for phil but it's like ugh, there's only there's only so much i mean things just end i guess yeah i wonder what you know the position coaches are thinking too. Like, are they, what if, if we see attrition, if Kelvin Bell leaves, like that's a huge loss. Um, you know, 
I don't I don't care if Paul Sack leaves, he can go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Calvin Bell's a huge loss, so Lavar Woods would be a huge loss. Um, and I could totally see a smaller school giving Woods an opportunity to be a coordinator or something like that. I could see that in a heartbeat. Uh, I could see Calvin Bell. Coach, he's he is consistently Iowa's second best coach. Yeah, Lavar Woods is. Yeah. Um, I can easily see Calvin Bell transition to the same role at really any school in the entire country. Um, and, you know, or t- and then taking a bump in title at a smaller school, um, you know, Seth Walls, whatever. Uh, I guess Copeland. that is Copeland too. Yeah. Copeland's another really, he'd be another really big loss. Um, I guess uh, that's another thing to keep an, keep an eye on too. If we lose, you know, between one and three coaches in the off season, that's another, you know, fucking pin to point on this map of what's what can be a disaster. And I don't, even if we can turn the faucet off, let's say Iowa does run the table at six and two. Oh, are the the problems are still there that led to this? I guess there's not going to be how many come to Jesus moments can a football team have. I think you can have one, uh, maybe two. Like you, you can have that one preseason. You can have another one in season. Um, How many players only meetings? How like can you have? Is I guess you know. Oh yeah, I mean that maybe one. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that they they probably are getting one this week. That that would be my guess. Um, because you look at turning the discussion a little bit to Michigan State. This Michigan State team we thought was going to be in complete disarray that Mm -hmm. Mel Tucker has moving in the right direction enough to beat Michigan. Um, And you see what they've done in two games, and you see what, like even Northwestern with a new offensive coordinator and a brand-new quarterback you wrote in your recap – installed the offense on Zoom, like, you see what these schools are able to do, and Iowa has shown none of that, and it that's what scares me um, mm-hmm. as it pertains to on-field performance. Um, it, and that's why I'm just so pessimistic about uh, how this um, this game is going to go on Saturday. I just, I just am. That's why I'm not going to watch. Yeah, got got a nice tea time ready for you. Lost March, uh, I think eleven fifty five. Beautiful. Um, I don't know. I think it's right outside of Gary, Indiana. So they're not a sponsor of this pod. Don't don't tell them I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really. I'll. But this Ben, this is when football, Big Ten football, is meant to get played. Eleven a.m. Come on, man. I know. I'm a little, you know, upset. Try to do maybe the fall golf thing, but with daylight savings, that pushes back even an hour further hour. And oh, uh, right. Um. So we're really, you know, you're looking at like a really a, you're pushing it after a two o'clock tea time, honestly. So, um, yeah, we could start here at four o'clock. <sighs> Uh, yeah, you wouldn't finish it. You actually wouldn't finish your round if you started it too. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to miss it. Honestly, I don't. I don't care. They don't deserve my eyeballs. They don't. They don't deserve my illegal stream. 
Uh, I'm coming, getting beamed into my TV. They don't, they don't deserve me, you know, doing anything for this program. Um, and that's not to say because of, it's just having, it's, you know, it's just really tough. It's, there's a lot of things going on that are bigger than football. Um, it's just, I'm having a really tough time finding the, the mental capacity to just give a flying fuck about, about what we're seeing on the field on Saturdays from our black and gold. And I'd certainly it's, you know, I have no doubt that my passion and faith will be restored eventually, but not here, not now. It's just tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I share that. Um, be, I will watch because I don't have any fun hobbies like going out and swinging the sticks around. I do have clubs, but Christian always tells me, when are you going to get rid of them? <laughs> well, uh, what if right someone asks me if I want to go uh, golfing? I don't want to be like, oh, I got to rent some clubs too. Um, <laughs> but uh, unless she got rid of them without me knowing, I honestly wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but I will watch, and I think it, it just it, it comes down to me wondering not win anymore um, in, in terms of, like, uh, when's Brian going to, like, put on his big boy britches and, and show us how a, a fucking play- game is called? Um, it, it's a matter of if. And to me, that is further and further from it i think we we talk about bright spots a little bit i think the defense is doing all they can um the defense is is, not why we lost saturday this is what happens when you move from a truly elite defense to simply a very good defense and the offense is not making up that difference um you lose stupid games like i was done um and then yeah just like there, there's so much going on. It's like, ah, well, Harrison, can you change this diaper? Yes. Yes, I Please. absolutely can change Please. this diaper. I am happy to put Elliot down during mm-hmm. uh, this, <laughs> this Iowa football game for a nap. I wish I could join him, but um, – I mean, yeah, Iowa I wish football. I had a family to – you know, I've got <laughs> to play a sport, and I've got to leave the fucking house in order to get away from uh, Iowa football. You just – can either look to your left or your right <laughs> and you you have a built-in 90 minute project right there absolutely absolutely so like i i i hope that there is some happiness in store for this football team because i don't think that you know these college kids necessarily deserve it but no. i i am not optimistic enough to think that um that that happens with any regularity the rest of this fall. I just haven't seen enough. Do you think, I think would have to take, what would it take for Kirk Ferris to not be the head coach of this football team next year? I, I, I alluded to it. I think a little bit, I think it would take a mutiny of sorts. Um, it, it would take, you did. Yeah. Um, it, it would take a real bottom-up groundswell of like it being really bad 
um, the changes that he discussed and, and put into place were just totally superficial. Um, I think it's very weird, though, that you're very likely to see it. I, I hate discussing it, but like it, that type of thing would probably be along racial lines, which um, is not hard to parse when you look at the standing kneeling decision. Um, whether that's enough to actually oust him, I don't know. Um, I, I think that if you get rid of the chafe, then, you know, you can figure it out with the guys who are still around. Um, but did it solve the problem that was there? No. <laughs> so, um, but I also don't know if Gary Bart is a guy to hold him accountable to that type of attrition. Um, That's why new president's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I mean, right now, as we are want to do now, Ben running a little over, like, like Kirk Ferentz currently runs the university of Iowa. Yes. Um, I think it's, that it's changes that with. It's been that way since I was on campus. You think Sally Mason was telling him to get his shit together. He couldn't even remember. Her na- he could not even remember her name. He called her Mary Sue. Oh, what a look. That is yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, so I, I just like I, I think it 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 would take a mutiny. It would take, but it would also take the institutional willpower to be like, okay, unless Kirk just says, you know what, this isn't worth fixing. I cannot be part of the solution. Um, does he have that humility? I don't think so. Mm-mm. I don't think he does either, and I know Brian doesn't. Yeah, I mean that's that to me is the big one, right? Like, uh, I, that's why I. Will, this is why I was always optimistic about Brian kind of turning a corner because it was always in his best interest and Kirk's best interest for him to display supreme competence mm-hmm. as an offensive coordinator, so that Iowa could comfortably install him with reason as the head coach. Three games and two, three seasons and two games into it, that's not the case at all. The talent is higher than it's ever been. I think it's ever been. It's ever been. Yes. It's on offense, at least. Make no mistake. You can probably make some pace, but like I really don't. I I don't think you can make the maybe other than two thousand eight. Maybe I really don't think you can make the argument that we've had a better offense under Kirk. I simply don't. I guess Spencer Petrus is making that a, a difficult argument right now, but but even two thousand eight, you had the Christensen Stanzi dilemma, right? right. Um, and you know they don't have those four games before Big Ten get season gets exactly started to, that's to true. It out. But neither does anyone else, mm-hmm. and I think that that's ultimately what what this comes down to is well, you're seeing a walk on for Purdue swing it. You're yeah, you see a transfer from Nebraska swing it for Rutgers, a transfer from Indiana swing it for uh, whoever we just lost to Northwestern. Like this kid's a- been in the system all, ever since Brian's been offensive coordinator. 
they it should be like hand to glove mm-hmm. in a way, and I think that that's why everyone was so comfortable being like Petrus is the guy, and I think that's why we after seeing what we've seen, it should be almost, it should be easier, whether it's Petrus's fault or Brian's fault and Kirk's fault. I'm hesitant to probably put 80% of this blame on Kirk and Brian. Um, maybe 20% is too low or too high, mm-hmm. but whatever we saw in Petrus before this season it might be safe to say that we're not going to see what we want to see this season um, unless he can play a full game like he played that first quarter because he was pretty good the first quarter. S- some, you know, caught break. He started but, 7 of 9, I think. Yeah. Um, I put in my recap. I can't remember. But it's – I don't know. I kind of just want to – like – kind of want to see Alex Padilla. But that's what scares me when I go through the Rolodex I mentioned before. Ah, 2012, James Vandenberg, mm-hmm. 100% of snaps. So mm-hmm. I I wish we could close on a more optimistic note. Um, I don't know. Well, we can't. Uh, what, what type of golfer are you, Ben? Are, what's your handicap? Uh, I'm like a 20. So anytime I, okay. can, anytime I can break 80, I think I've broken 80 four or five times this year, which isn't great for how much I do play or did play. Um, I'll be in the nineties. Lost Marsh where we're playing is actually probably one of my favorite courses. I play um, just a really nice kind of a secret, secret course in the Chicago land area, just over the border. Um, I, but uh, you know, a lot of my friends are really good. I'm playing with two guys on Saturday and one's, you know, probably under a 10 handicap. The other is about a 12. I played with, uh, the guy was a 12. I played with him about a month ago, last time I played, and he shot like an 80, I think he shot an 83. Um, so he can, he can, he can sling that. Well, may you break 90. Thank I, you. That, that'll be, I, I think that's the most optimistic I can be about this weekend, right? Yeah. If I break 90, I'll, I'll write about it. I'll, I'll blog, <laughs> I'll blog the shit out of that game. <laughs> Power rankings, Ben's golf game. <laughs> My 10 best shots. <laughs> uh, well, I guess but before we extend this this too much further, uh, any other closing thoughts, Ben? I, I think I, I've kind of – it's been know. a little bit of an airing of grievances for a podcast. Are you excited for basketball season? I'm thrilled, man. Like I, I, I know oh, okay. that the countdown is uh, – it's um, hard to get to some of these blogs. I, I wish I could do all of the Hawkeyes a little more justice. Um, but I'm thrilled. Like, uh, that's the only thing that's, like, keeping me in this football season is, like, oh, I got to stay engaged. Got to stay engaged. Kind of, yeah. like, I, I cut loose. The karma is horrible. But um, I think it'll be fun to see them play UNC, Gonzaga, I mean, God willing. Um, and then what? whatever happens with a Big Ten season, um, I'm, I'm just excited because I think that Luca Garza really is a generational talent, which feels crazy to think about on the women's side. We had that generational talent in a couple yeah. years prior with Gustafson. Um, and I... I 
I'm very excited for Bohannon. Like I, I think um, I hope Fran uses him creatively, and then um, just we'll, we'll probably get into basketball a, a little closer to when they actually start. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Seeing the skill level that kind of went on in the NBA bubble without fans, I think it it heightens um, the need to have skill uh, on offense like Iowa does. And um, I think that could mean really good things if, um, you know, if, if it comes down to a season where there's, you know, barely any fans in the stands. I, I think I was very well suited to generate their own emotion and fucking hit shots. <laughs> I agree. So um get buckets. Uh, I'm super excited. Super excited. Good. Well I'm excited now that I know that you're excited because I didn't want this to be a totally <laughs> totally lost year of Hawkeye fan. Yeah. Stealing from another podcast, but ending on a high note. Iowa Hawkeye basketball, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, mm-hmm. God, that would just be the uh, no high note. I am excited about basketball. Yeah, that's how we're gonna, that's how we're going to end it. So end it. for Ben Ross, I'm Harrison Starr. Uh, go Hawks, and don't lose too badly to Michigan State. No, please don't.